Hi, welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Arman Hezarkani, the founder of Partheon. Partheon integrates cutting-edge AI tools with the user's financial information, allowing people to get personalized and immediate answers to their financial questions. For example, you can ask Partheon, how much can I afford to spend on an upcoming trip to New York? Or, I want to pay off my debt in two years, can you build me a plan to pay it off? In this episode, Armand chats about his journey to founding Partheon and securing investors, how his company ensures data privacy and security for its users, plus his advice for entrepreneurs looking to get into the AI industry. Let's get into the show. Armand, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I'd love to get started by having you introduce yourself, telling us a little bit about where you're from and your career background. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on the on the show. Like you said, my name is Armand Hezergani. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Parthian. We are striving to use AI to put a financial coach in everybody's pocket at an affordable price. So before this, my career is really focused on bringing education to as many people as possible. So I went to Carnegie Mellon University, studied software engineering there. And my first company was an ed tech company that I built my freshman year of college. I ended up shutting it down, ended up not working out for a few reasons, um, but learned a lot and went to Google for two summer internships after that. Those internships led to me kind of building some relationships with marketing teams at Google, actually where I started my second company, which was a marketing agency. I was helping marketing teams market their technical products. And the way we often do that is by teaching. So again, bringing in that education angle. I taught at Carnegie Mellon for a little bit afterwards, and then I used the money from the marketing agency to essentially start building projects on my own. And then finally decided that I really wanted to focus on solving the financial literacy problem in the United States and help close the wealth gap that way. So I started Parthian, brought it through Pair VC's accelerator, um, raised a little bit of money after that. And yeah, here we are. So it sounds like you've always kind of had like an entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, most freshmen in college are kind of just worried about partying, what girl's going to text them back, things like that. Um, So I'm curious, like where that came from, did you always want to have your own business and work for yourself? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, It's an interesting question. I, yeah. So when I was like a little kid, um, I, I, so, so, so yeah, I always wanted to have a business. And and when I was a kid, I was like, okay, what is the most expensive thing? Cause the people who sell the most expensive things are the richest and they're the ones that like they're the best businessmen right that was kind of like my logic so i i I decided that jewelry because it's like precious gems and metals i was like oh like that's the most expensive thing so if i want to be rich i have to be a jeweler so i I like went to michael's with my mom one day and i bought a bunch of like jewelry equipment and i made these like crappy little earrings um and i sold them to my family members and they begrudgingly wore them all one night for a party and so, yeah, that was my like first business that I started when I was like eight or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It is pretty crazy how sometimes, I mean, everyone is different, but sometimes there are things that we like gear towards in our childhood that end up like really checking out in your adulthood. So it's cool to Absolutely. see that that was the case for you too. Agreed. Did you have something like that as well? Um, I was always writing when I was little and, you know, that kind of lends itself to what I'm doing now with, with, you know, Madam Blue and the online magazine and everything. And 
um, I have like little journals where I was like interviewing my sisters just about like what they were doing that really? day. Like I, I, th- I thought I was a journalist just like walking around my house type of thing. So That's I can awesome. definitely relate to you on that aspect. That's really cool. Let's get more into all things Parthion. So how would you describe it in simple terms? And can you kind of explain what problems or challenges it solves for users? Yeah, so I mean, essentially, in a nutshell, for hundreds, if not thousands of years, people have had different levels of wealth, right? And the richest people have always had financial experts that were there ready to help them. Right. And so a lot lot of people see wealthy people and they're like, oh, they're rich. They don't really have to worry about their money. Having a lot of money is not easy. Right. But what makes it easy and what reduces the stress is that rich people have always been able to just pay others to worry about their money. Right. But then the 99.9% of other people have not ever had that privilege. Right. And that's because financial experts cost a lot of money. So our mission is basically to put a financial expert in every individual's pockets such that they can kind of rely on this other expert to not only help them make decisions, but then also help have them do a lot of the things for them, right? Because yeah, it's really hard to decide what to do with your money, but it's also really hard to do things with money on purpose. Like the financial institutions, the financial world has made it very, very difficult to do anything, to make a new account, even harder to close a new account. It's hard to negotiate down your your bills. It's hard to do so much of these things. But again, the rich have always been able to just pay others to do it. So we're looking to basically expand access to that expertise, expand access to those experts. And the way that we're doing that is by using all the modern AI technologies that have been recently put out and building technology on top of that. Yeah, I think it's really fascinating because like you said, these are all things that nobody really teaches you in school, like how to take care of your money or how to invest or anything like that. And so I I think it's super valuable in general, but also especially for like young professionals who maybe are just kind of starting out and don't really have any, anyone to lean on when it comes to making the right financial choices. And I'm curious, like, what are some of the unique features of Partheon that differentiate it from other like personal finance tools that are already on the market? Yeah, so we are currently the most powerful personal finance tool on the market um, because we leverage a lot of the most modern AI tools. And so basically what we do right now is we take um, the largest, like imagine ChatGPT, we take technologies like that. and But ChatGPT doesn't have access to, like it knows everything in the world, but it knows nothing about you, Right. And so on Parthian, Parthian AI is as smart as ChatGPT. It knows everything about everything, but it also knows about you, right? So we've basically taken your financial data and this, this really smart agent, and you can talk to it as if it is a financial expert. Um, and it can help you make financial plans for free. If you ask it, hey, when can I buy a home? Can you, can you design a budget and savings plan? for me to to buy a home in the next six months, it'll do that immediately for free, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so that's kind of what we're building right now. But our vision is to very quickly allow the AI to do these things for you, right? So to make it way easier for you to save your money, make it way easier for you to 
make a bunch of uh, make bet make more money by by investing or whatever. Um, and of course, there are concerns about trust and safety and security. Um, and I'm happy to talk about how we handle those. But but we are all buttoned up, and, and the AI doesn't have access to any information it shouldn't, and all that stuff as well. So I'm happy to talk about that. But um, but yeah, that's kind of that's how we're different. That's what we're building towards. Yeah, no, and I was actually, that was my segue question. So, you know, with all this new excitement of AI, there's also uncertainty and fear on the other hand, like people are like a little bit unsure when it comes to the capabilities of AI and what it could access. So what kind of security measures does Partheon AI have in place to protect its users' financial data? Yeah, so I mean, I think the way that we should think about trust, safety, and security around a tool like Parthian AI is that there are two kind of buckets, right? One is how do we protect the data that our users are trusting us with? And then the second is how do we make sure that the AI is giving accurate answers and accurate information, right? So, so we kind of think about those two things separately. Um, but listen, at the end of the day, we, we recognize that we were operating at the center of finance and AI, right? These are two very, very, we need a lot of trust from our users and we need a lot of trust from the world in order to kind of operate the intersection of these two really sensitive areas. And we take that responsibility really seriously. And the goal of my, like Parthian's goal is to be the most trusted company in both sectors, in AI and in finance. And so we take every technical and operational measure to handle data really, really securely. So we have bank level security with our encryption and the way that we handle our data uh, in, in our databases and in, in, in root and things like that. All of the data that is sent to the AI is anonymized and sandboxed. So like when you're talking to the AI, it has access to no information but your own and it doesn't know who you are. Right. So all the data that's given to the AI is completely anonymized and it's totally sandboxed to the current individual that it's speaking with. And we also have human financial experts that review the conversations, again, anonymized, but they're reviewing the conversations to make sure that that accuracy and everything is upheld. Right. And so that's like the first part around data security. But the way that we think about accuracy is also without getting too far into like the technical weeds. Um, our first and foremost, our goal is to give education, not advice. So we're never going to tell you buy stock X or buy stock Y. We are going to try to educate you and push you to make better financial decisions around your spending, investing, and credit. So we can provide real value, but we're not advisors, right? That's that's kind of how we think about it. Yeah, no, that's a good overview. And I, I think it's super smart of you all to combine you know, AI with human verified intelligence, especially because these are new technologies, everything is still developing. And I was actually going to ask you like how you're ensuring the accuracy and reliability of the answers that, you know, your AI provides. And you definitely answered my question there. With your users sharing like their financial data, do you have plans in place to prevent things like data leaks and things where people might be worried about who has access to their their personal information or how it might get out. We make sure that the data is fully safe when it's being stored. And we make sure that the only the correct actor actors can get access to that data. And the correct actor is basically the user. That's it. 
the AI has access only to the information that it needs to answer the question. And that information cannot go beyond any bounds. So I think the, the fear that a lot of people have around AI is, well, what if it takes on a mind of its own and it goes and it needs more information, right? Well, then can it expand? And it cannot. So the way that we have built our technology is such that it can only get access to the current user's information and it can only get access to the information that we allow it to see. That's it. And it cannot go beyond that in any way, shape or form. Beyond that, everything else is really just like making sure that the data itself is stored securely. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we certainly abide by all of the, all the most common regulations and, and things like that. That's good. And I, I want to get a little bit more understanding of like your startup journey. So can you remind yeah. me like in what year you kind of had the idea for this business and what the process was like for building up your team and, and seeking investors? Yeah. So like a year and a half ago um, is when we went through Pair VC's accelerator. Um, and basically before that, we, we honestly went in with an idea and it wasn't really, it was like this general education idea, but we mm -hmm. went through. And, and when, you say, really, when you say we, can you um, elaborate? So I had two co-founders and okay. but they're no longer with the company. So it's Got just, it. it's just me. I just use we a lot to, to kind of encompass <laughs> everybody that was there at the time. Yeah. Um, but basically like it was really just Pair VC invests in founders uh, first and foremost. And so I even asked Pejman Nozad, the, uh, the, one of the founders of, of Pair VC, like, hey, why did you invest? And I ask every investor this, why did you invest? And why did you almost not invest, right? And he said, I invested because of you. And I almost didn't invest because I don't know if this is the idea, but we'll see. And he was right. Like we went to Pair, we, we were through, going through their accelerator and really looking for what is the specific vertical that we're going to attack and really try and solve. And that was when financial literacy, really, I started focusing on it, reading about it and trying to really solve for it. And so the first product that I started building was actually a product that would like take in your plaid financial data, all your bank accounts, credit cards, all that stuff. And it would understand your financial habits, kind of like the problems and all that stuff. We would also film these really short courses and we would recommend the courses to you based on your financial habits and based on your goals that we knew you had. We would say, hey, if you're going out to eat too much, you should probably take this course on budgeting, for example. We soon learned that that product doesn't necessarily work. What we realized essentially was that people don't want to learn. They want to be told what to do. And so what people really wanted was just somebody that they could talk to about their money. And so we brought to market, we built this product where you could essentially get access to a financial coach, a real live human financial coach for $50 a month. You can talk to them as much as you want, chat, and you could schedule calls like unlimited. And so our retention was really, really high. Users really enjoyed it. We were just like building the company and it was, it was going fine. And then I started playing with GPT-4, like on ChatGPT, just like personally. And I still write code a lot, like I'm an engineer, right? And it made me two times faster and better as an engineer. I also write and it made me a way better writer. Like I just noticed it was making me better at all these things. And I basically figured like, listen, someone's going to build a financial assistant, a financial coach, a financial advisor, whatever you want to call it. They're going to build something in that space. 
using this technology. And it's going to completely put us out of business. But furthermore, it's going to completely change the landscape of financial services. So who's going to do that? What is that company going to look like? And I know it's coming. So I can either shut down the company, just close up shop and say, say, see you later. Or I can try to become that company. So we built out this plan of like, what, what would that AI tool look like? And I was actually in LA meeting with one of our investors and I built a demo of what is currently Parthian AI. And so I built this demo basically connecting Plaid data to uh, GPT-4 and found that it was in it, even in its existing form, like in the earliest, earliest form, it was one of the most powerful financial, financial products that, that I'd ever seen. So I showed it to some people and I also noticed that the engagement that people were, the way that people were engaging with it, they were just asking these really deep, thoughtful questions and it became really, really exciting. I realized, hey, we have something like pretty magical in our hands right now. And so like I rebuilt the whole product and two weeks ago brought it to market and we've had thousands of people sign up from all around the world. We've had a ton of great partners reach out. Like things have been really interesting since and, and we've just been continuing to build and grow and we plan on continuing to do that. That's really exciting. And it, it seems like it, but I wanted to get like your perspective on were your investors a little bit skeptical about changing the business and or transitioning into something else? Or they were they like flexible and on board from the get-go? Yeah, I mean, I think that like good investors are always supportive of their founders while also being good thought partners to their founders. And what that means is like, listen, I know that you're the founder, you spend every day in this company. So like, I recognize that like, I don't know the ins and outs as well as you. However, I've also seen a lot of companies and like a good thought partner pushes back. It's not like I went out and told all of our investors one day and then everyone was like, oh, cool, yeah, hell yeah. Or it's not like I, everyone was like, why the hell would you do this? I, I don't think that's how investors tend to good investors which we have all of our investors are, are really great it's it's way more like okay good idea but let's talk about it let's like try and dig in deeper why how is this potentially going to fail what does success look like right it's more of like okay let's let's chat and i i appreciate that and that's what all of our investors kind of that's how they engaged what was your process like for seeking investors honestly twitter was like really a huge yeah, yeah, I did a lot of outreach through Twitter. Um, and like, once you have one investor in, then you ask them to introduce you to other investors. And it kind of became this like rolling thing where, yeah, getting the first few is likely the hardest. Um, and then after that, it kind of becomes this snowball. And it's never like it's easy. Like I think a lot of founders are like, oh yeah, like after you get your first few, then it's then it's nothing. And it's not like that. Like it's always a bit of a grind to fundraise, and it's not the most fun part of building a business by any means. But yeah, like 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 the the accelerator pair VC is one of the most well connected groups of people in venture. But no one can fundraise for you, right? And so a lot of it was doing our own outreach as well. How much have you raised year to date? Year to date, no. Mm -hmm. uh, we raised a year and a half ago. We raised 1.8 million, but we haven't raised anything since. Okay. And is that like something you have planned in the future or right now it's not not top priority? So I, I think too many companies fundraise that shouldn't. 
you know? And for us, like before this pivot, we kind of were like, I don't think we needed to fundraise necessarily um, again. So we had low burn. We have a lot of money in the bank still for to continue working. Um, venture capital is really good for companies that need to move fast, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and now we are one of those companies. Like right, right now, we are one of the companies that I think fully qualifies for venture capital. Um, and so it's not about like, like, we don't need to raise money right now. We don't need to raise money for the next year and a half. But we've been having more conversations with investors that have been reaching out and have been discussing and sharing interest. So we're thinking about it, but we're not, honestly, I'm more busy. Like I'm more just thinking about building the company and that's kind of the more interesting part of my day job. Um, And the rest will fall into place. We'll see. Yeah. No, it's pretty, it's interesting to me because I've interviewed a majority of CPG companies. So this, this is like different for me to learn about you know, your industry. And so, you know, CPG founders are dealing with like manufacturing, production, cost of storage and all of this. So I'm curious, what is the biggest expense for an AI company? For us, it's mostly personnel, like just the team, mostly engineering, honestly, and growth. So just marketing costs. So essentially that's like what most founders spend their money on in consumer tech. We are not looking to spend much on marketing. We'd like to go, I think a lot of finance companies spend way too much money on marketing. And so we're looking to kind of be a little smarter on that end. But at the end of the day, like that's really what you put your money into hiring engineers and hiring, um, spending on marketing. Got it. And so what does your team look like today? Right now it's three of us. So it is myself, um, my uh, head of curriculum and founding coach named Katie Hogan. Uh, she was a financial advisor for seven years. Um, she published two books. She's given a TED talk, but she's um, a very well accomplished financial educator. Uh, and so, so she runs a lot of our education and coaching and things like that. Um, and then we have another person that I can't talk about yet because they're they have not yet announced that they're on the Parthian team, and they will be on Monday. So that's uh, I don't want to ruin no worries announcement that's that's exciting though and um are is your team like based in new york or do you have yep. okay cool yeah yeah we're new york now that you know you said you had a couple thousand users engaging with your software can you share like a success story of a user who has benefited from using partheon yeah i mean honestly people come to us basically with like life events that they're looking to plan for or problems that they're looking to solve and so what's been interesting is like I've seen people looking to plan, like, hey, I want to buy a ring, right? I want to to propose to my girlfriend. When can I afford this? How much should I spend, right? And like the AI helps them build a plan and all this stuff. Or, hey, like I said, I want to buy a house. When can I buy a house? It says, hey, in X many months, you can buy a house worth this much. But if you start saving more, then in Y many months, you can buy a house this much. And and like it builds that plan for the customer. And we've had like, hey, I want to have a kid or, hey, I'm pregnant. How do I, you know, like, so that's been really, really cool. It's just seeing people really have great conversations with the AI. It's really helping them plan these interesting life moments. Mm-hmm. You know, that's been cool. Yeah, it's pretty crazy to think that you could build something that helps people in like really pivotal moments of their life. Agreed. Totally. Well, Armand, I'm curious if you can give like aspiring entrepreneurs who are specifically looking to start like their own AI based ventures. Any advice based on what you've learned throughout your time growing Partheon? 
Yeah. So what's interesting is like, I think that AI right now is where the internet was in the nineties where like literally anything is possible. Like I keep coming up with this, these like ideas where I'm like, that could be its own billion dollar business. Right. And literally every day I'm having these ideas and, and it's one of those things where it's like, there's no limit currently to the businesses that can be built with these new technologies, just because they were just invented and no one has had the time to build them. And so the people who will win are the people who do it first and the best, right? So like the first Facebook didn't win, Facebook beat MySpace, right? So, so like the best is really what's important, but like, I think a lot of people are like, oh, will that work, whatever? And, and the answer is yes, it will work. It will happen. Someone will do it. It's more a question of, will you be the one to do it, right? And I think mm -hmm. that's a very inspiring thought for me is like, that was literally what led me to starting Parthian AI was I was building a different business and I knew someone was going to build this business and it was going to completely upend what I was doing. And I just decided that, okay, I can and should be the one to do that. So I'm going to, you know, and I think that that's probably the most important thought for folks to be thinking about. Yeah. If not you, then who, basically? Precisely. Mm -hmm. Precisely. Do you have any upcoming plans or developments for Parthion that you can share? So we have things that are being launched once a week from starting on Monday. So every week we're going to be making new new announcements about new product features. And we have some exciting stuff coming. So I would say to just... Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Awesome. And the best place to do that would be social, probably. Social. Yeah. Twitter or LinkedIn. Okay, cool. I'll get you to plug those when we wrap up. But before I let you go, um, I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for aspiring founders or entrepreneurs? I think the number one thing is really like grit. It takes time and it's very, very hard. At the end of the day, if you want to build something important i think it's important to take it very seriously and work really hard and really long and like recognize that it's going to take a long time and you have to care about it to go through that but also you have to be willing to go through the difficulty and i think that's incredibly important and something that people should prepare for and it's fun mm -hmm. right it's not like all shit but but it's definitely something that's worth worth preparing for yeah I know I said that was the last question but I just thought of a quick follow-up because you had you know such an entrepreneurial spirit from a really young age I'm curious if you had like a mentor someone that you looked up to throughout your life or even like most recently when it comes to you know business and entrepreneurship honestly just all the classics right like <laughs> I, I read a lot of I read a lot of biographies I read the Steve Jobs biography at least once a year Anything by Walter Isaacson really is phenomenal. That's big for me. I also just look up to both my parents. They're both just incredibly hardworking and they're not entrepreneurs, but they're incredibly hardworking. So I think it's both of those things. Yeah, I think parents' work ethic definitely is like everyone's first idea of what it takes Absolutely. to like build something for a family. So that that's awesome. And I also love biographies. I just finished reading Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Great um, I loved it. Yeah. So if anyone listening hasn't read it, definitely recommend. But Armand, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. I'd love it if you could let everyone know where they can keep up with you and Parthion online and on social media. 
Yeah, so you can follow me on Twitter, and it's just at Armand Hezrakhani, so just my name. Um, and if you sound it out, I assure you, you'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I'll link it. Everything will be linked yeah, in the description. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah, that works. Thanks. And then um, for Parthian socials? Parthian HQ on Twitter, and Parthian.com is our website. Thank you so much to Armand for joining the podcast and thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join us in the next episode of Office Chats.